If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. Episode of On the Turnbuckle here on mypodcasthouse.com or wherever you're listening to. Thanks for joining us. Walshy and Lyle, good day to you guys. Very good day to you, Tony. The music of Robbie Eagles. Good day, Tony. Hello, mate. How are you? You took your time. I'm well. How are you? Good. Uh, the music of Robbie Eagles. I wonder why. Because mm, we're going to talk to him very, very shortly. Before we get to him, though, uh, great interview last week with the Mighty Cadman boys. Well done. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of fun. Um, you know. He's got a different story than the normal guys we speak to. Obviously, he left Australia a few years ago to, you know, in, uh, embark on a different journey. So with uh, Santino Morella, and he's doing really well. And he had the tryout with WWE recently. And um, for a good companion piece to that episode, if you want to check out JXT's latest episode of Talk and Stick, he goes further into that tryout, and it's a really good listen. Now... On this rundown, it says Tony was unprofessional in the MCW locker room on Saturday night. Yeah, what we, the wanted, hell are you talking we about? wanted to talk to you about this. Um, Lyle was quite upset with the way you behaved with Lockie Hendricks backstage at MCW. Mm-hmm. It's a workplace. Yeah. Um, Lyle, did you want to go into it further? Well, getting into the shouting match, obviously we've, we're there to record a um, an interview which we will release yeah, in with, next week. Yeah, um, Tom and Stevie. Yeah, yeah, so you know. And Re and all the guys down at MCW, they're doing us a favour. And, mm. you know, you, you let your personal vendetta against um, the lover boy get in the way. I mean, Tony, in fairness, Tony, in startup, but you've got to you've got to be better than that. Yeah. Well, no, I don't have to be because Tony, he's not. He's there at his workplace. He it was my workplace too. I was recording an interview. What if he goes to, to your work and just starts abusing you? Y- yeah. Well, I think People would probably I, understand it. I think I think he's done that a couple of times well, on the yeah. podcast. Well, if he, ha- oh, he has. That's right. He's come here and well, done exactly. I, that. I just thought Tony wasn't it. even allowed to Thank stay you. for the show. Well, he actually, yeah, far from you didn't get fully kicked out, but asked nicely to leave would be better for all of us. I just I, think when I you apologise to Ree and I apologise to Rowan and I apologise to, to Mikey J. I won't apologise to Lockie. I thought it was unprofessional. That that's all. You and know, you missed out. You missed out as well because Lockie conducted an excellent question and answer with the crowd. After well, that, I'm just disappointed that the word that I heard was that he actually did something bad to Cracker Jack to give himself the opportunity to do the Q and A. Now that's just hearsay, Tony. Can't just go. No. Where was Cracker Jack? Was he there on the night? No. Well, no. Did he, he wasn't. not have a bad knee? Well, yeah, he did. Yeah, well, yeah. Maybe, I think you're just putting two and two maybe together. Crack, and getting crack, Cracker Jack trying to ask Lockie's mum on a date. Yeah, Lockie's yeah. got every reason. Oh, definitely he does. Definitely, but no, I think you. I think you're better than that, Tony. Oh. He's not. Well, I no? appreciate your concern, but it ain't going to change. <laughs> and and I tell you what, no one's going to be happier than me the day that he leaves, July twentieth. He's on that plane, July twentieth. I've heard you're driving him to the airport. No, but I won't be. But I'll be there. Is that just to make sure? And I'll be there to cheer him out of Australia. Yeah, you're going to make some of those signs up at the airport saying uh, whatever I've got to do yep. to show my joy, it'll be done. Speaking of joy, we've got plenty of joy in having this guy join us on the program live in Japan. No? No. He's, no, he's no. back in Australia now. Okay. Live from Sydney. Sydney. <laughs> Could you please welcome Robbie Eagles. G'day, Robbie. G'day, g'day, fellas. How are you? Yeah, we're fantastic, mate. Uh, first of all, welcome home for a, a short period of time, I suppose. And, and one of those rare occasions where maybe you've got just a, a little bit of downtime. Yeah, it is. It is a rare occasion um, between you know the Pro Wrestling Academy, between New Japan now, and everything else that's going on, especially leading up to this upcoming tour. There's a a lot of uh, blank spaces where there are usually 
remained blank, but now they're actually filled with media and interviews and things like that. So it's a crazy time for myself. It's been a, I know um, it must be really exciting for you, but it's even exciting for wrestling fans in Australia who've been watching you for so long to see you on that um, big stage. There must be a real sense of pride when you're the first Australian to do so many things. Yeah, I, I don't want to be a glory hog because I'd rather share it with all my friends and you know training partners and even some of my rivals from Australia because I, I'm the first to really talk about how good the wrestling overall in our country is. But I am really proud to be that person that's sort of waving the flag and showing the way of Australian wrestling and showing how good we can be. So, you know, even if there are others that achieve more than me, I, I know that's bound to happen and I just want the world to start finding out about it. So if they find out about it through me, then I'm more than happy to be the first one. And uh, how, how did it feel going up uh, against Will Ospreay in another rematch in front of the Japanese crowd? I know we were all excited once uh, you guys were in the same uh, B block. Uh, how, how did that feel being in front of the Japanese crowd? Uh, it just felt like it was meant to be. I mean, the previous encounters we had across Australia within Melbourne and within Sydney, they were kind of like the warm-ups, I guess, as much as they were intense fights also featuring Adam Brooks. Um, it was all built up to this. And there was there was a point uh, early last year that Will said, you know, what about Robbie Eagles and the best of the Super Juniors? And there was a bit of a campaign that year. Didn't... didn't come close enough to happening but you know we were, we were almost there and now it's happened this time the one thing that i uh didn't get to speak about a lot and i'll tell you guys here on air is that i'm really disappointed that will changed his costume uh because i wanted to walk into that best of the super juniors match tap him out and then rip the australian flag from his heart <laughs> and say this is my country you bastard and you don't deserve to wear it around your belt <laughs> Uh, fair enough. To uh, take us through tournament wrestling, Robbie, and just how tough it is. We we know you guys uh, around Australia are normally used to wrestling on a weekend predominantly, and you might have a four or five day break, but you don't get afforded that luxury in tournament wrestling, do you? No, and the travel is just as hectic as the actual um, bouts we have. You know, sometimes it's hop from one hotel to the next, uh, very, very little bit of downtime. It's kind of four or five hours of travel between towns in the morning, check into the hotel for half an hour, get back on the bus, get to the venue, perform that night, go back to the hotel for maybe couple hours sleep and then do the same thing the next day. So it can be a bit rough on the body. Uh, I definitely felt it overall more than I ever have, but a lot of the guys that come through and the girls too, sorry, that come through the pro wrestling Academy, we train so frequently and at such a high intensity level that it's almost like just being back home. It's just a little bit of a higher level than sparring would be here at a training session. So I, I felt like I was somewhat prepared for it. The travel definitely is a thing that I'm still not used to, but the actual regular competition, I mean, give me more of it. Uh, hopefully give me more where I'm not splitting my head open on a chair and having to <laughs> go into a match with someone like the aerial assassin with five stitches in my head. That would be lovely. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you got to go through the battle wounds and keep on fighting because at the end of the day, it's, it's a war and each battle you win or lose doesn't count you out until the very end. And then, uh, obviously, the injury plays a part in every single match you have from there on in because you've got to try and protect, you know, the back of your head, which is probably the hardest part of the body to protect in a fight, I would have thought. Oh, uh, yeah. When, when you've got people either dropping you on your dome or kicking you left, right and centre, it does become pretty hard to strategize, especially for someone like myself. That's usually what I like to do, go in with a game plan. And then if I've got this new thing to worry about where I'm like, oh, I hope I don't spill blood all over the New Japan canvas, more, more so thinking about, I hope I don't bust my head open so I get a bit woozy and lose this match. Um, it definitely sent me you know, on a different direction uh, and it would take my mind away from what I had planned before the match because of what would happen in it. But experience is what's going to last in tournament matches and in tournaments for wrestling. So I feel like I had that under my belt. I was one of the more experienced wrestlers, especially from the foreign contingent. Um, and I think I showed that. And having several different finishes, like you can you can beat an opponent with probably three or four different moves. How much of an advantage is that? It makes you hard to scout. Uh, I think, you know, early on, 
I kind of had to bust everything out to beat Rocky Romero in my first match. Um, and that was because he was a lot tougher than people thought he was going to be. But then going up against someone like Ren Narita, who's still a young lion, had a lot of fire. Uh, hits really hard, which I don't know if it's conceived through watching New Japan well, but man, he, he walted me up pretty good. Uh, but I was able to put him away with the turbo backpack, which is something that doesn't always finish my matches. So that kind of made people a little more weary and they were, they were trying to scout when I would go for it in my matches to come up with counters or reversals. And what that would do is actually open up opportunities for something like the sliced bread or to go after their knee instead. So it, it actually worked to my advantage to have that happen. And like you said, to have different maneuvers that you could beat people with because it, it, it makes them, you know, um, a bit uneasy about the match and also it makes it harder to prepare for an opponent like that. So I, I like to think that I was one of the guys in the tournament that was probably a little bit underestimated by a lot of my opponents, but after the first few showings, people were like, damn, like, I'm going to look out for this, this, and this from Robbie. And just go backing, uh, backing up to the Will Ospreay match, I felt watching from home that you didn't need uh, Phantasmo to get involved. Hey, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure you had some stern words to him. We've seen it on camera. Hey, getting uh, having ELP interfere in your match. How did that make you feel? Yeah, I think it could be seen quite clearly uh, throughout the rest of the tournament, and e- even when we wrestled each other. Um, ELP, he's a great dude. Uh, we toured together. Uh, very fortunate to spend time with him. What he does in the ring to get the victories, probably not the same, you know, motto that I like to roll by. Uh, it's not the same sort of style of wrestling that I like to say is how I win. So I wasn't comfortable with it. Uh, do I look back at the history books and see a win in the column for Robbie Eagles? Yes. Uh, is it something that I look to rectify myself? Of course. Uh, I feel like I had that match, regardless of Fantasmo's involvement. Um, but he saw it differently, and he was looking out for us as a group. So I, I couldn't stop him from coming out there. I was already in the ring, um, and it was definitely something that we didn't discuss beforehand. But what's done is done, and we can't change the past. I suppose that would stack up if it was a team event that you were involved with to an extent but in the way it was sort of just individual wrestling wasn't it and I understand that it was two points for the Bullet Club and all that sort of stuff but at the end of the day it was you against Will Ospreay end of story yeah and and that's that's sort of how I didn't see it when I went up against El Fantasma I was thinking you know we're on the same side it's an individual tournament I understand and we both want to win so maybe we'll just have a good clean fight and if you look at the end of uh, the El Fantasma Robbie Eagles match it's not necessarily the cleanest finish uh, I didn't anticipate that from my brethren in the Bullet Club but now I know what El Fantasma is all about and I mean, your wrestling in Australia—you've always been, you know, quite a fair um, wrestler. You've always played pretty much by the rules. Uh, and I know that you got your start with Bullet Club in New Japan, but how do you um, justify, uh, you know, your own personal views with what the rest of the team sometimes do? Uh, look, I'm—I'm I'm still new to the group in the scheme of things. Um, I'm not trying to push my weight and make any changes uh they're successful look at god jay white former iwgp heavyweight champion file has done great things in new japan for years uh i'm not trying to change what the bullet club is or what they do uh at the end of the day uh i made a choice i made a choice financially for myself and for my family and I'm sticking by that. I want to be on this side of the war because I feel like right now, whether or not we have all the gold, the board club's still winning. And that's how a lot of people view it. I suppose the question, though, was more about the fact we understand that you can't change the Bullet Club, but are you finding it hard to reconcile changing Robbie Eagles to fit into the Bullet Club? No, I think... Well, <laughs> What the Bullet Club's helped me do is really see a more straightforward approach to wrestling. And what some people have probably seen through the evolution of Robbie Eagles, especially since my induction to the Bullet Club, is maybe a more vicious or aggressive side. And that's what I needed. That's what I needed to really 
get to my peak and wrestle at my best and you know strongest the board club made me see that and through the guidance of people like Fale and Tamatonga and Jay White I've understood what I need to do to get the win but I still have my own individual morals yes there is an internal battle that I have sometimes but when you're sort of lower on the totem pole I'm not speaking out too much and I'd rather not say too much to you guys here in case anyone does hear it Fair enough Now You've wrestled in uh, Currican Hall. You've wrestled PWG. What's it actually going to feel like when you come down to Melbourne and you're going to be in the semi-main event in front of you know, your home country in a title match against Will Ospreay? What, what's those feelings going to be? Is it going to be some nerves or anything like that? I was nervous last year when uh, I tag-teamed for the first time with Mick Moretti at Festival Hall against the Untouchables. Um, so to have... A, my first championship opportunity or, yeah, like my first championship opportunity for New Japan Pro Wrestling. B, it's in Australia, so the country that I reside in. And, like, thirdly, it's in Melbourne. It's in Festival Hall. It's against Will Ospreay. Melbourne is, quote-unquote, my second home. It's somewhere that I've really grown leaps and bounds, whether it's been in MCW or other places. Everyone that will be coming to Festival Hall has sort of seen the Robbie Eagle story unfold from start to finish. So this is one of those chapters that I'd like it to end on the best possible note. Nerves aside, I'm going in there thinking that I'm already the champion and that's how I'm going to wrestle. That love of Melbourne was evident uh, a few weeks ago when you said goodbye effectively to the MCW crowd and uh, and Thornbury Theatre for a while. There was a lot of tears in the house. My tears were the fact that Lockie Hendricks beat you, but that's another story. Uh, <laughs> and that wasn't tears of joy, believe me. Uh, how, tell Take us through that affiliation that you do have with Melbourne and, and how that sort of has sprung up, But because you, you are very much a proud New South Welshman. Yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of where I come from. Uh, but Mikey J took a chance on me in 2010. And I think we started talking sort of late 2009. So very early into my career, uh, the man that would go on to be one of the guys that runs MCW and you know owns it at helm, uh, he took an interest into me, thought how I wrestled was different to a lot of people on the on the scene at that point. And um, when he got the opportunity to bring in some people from New South Wales, I was one of the names at the top of his list. And that actually made me be uh, an MCW OG. Uh, if you look back at the original MCW events, Robbie Eagle's name is associated with the men on the cards. There's not a lot of people from those, you know, first two or three or four cards that are still around today, whether they're wrestling at all or in MCW period. So... You know, MCW really is a home for me. Um, I have developed, I've evolved. I've had some amazing matches in Thornbury, in Essendon, even back in Tullamarine. Uh, I've really grown uh, with MCW and as an MCW performer. So it is a place that I do like to call home. I will always call it home, much like I do PWA. And whether I'm there frequently or infrequently, as it may seem now, it's still something that's near and dear to my heart. And I still stay tuned with the product and what's happening on each show. You know, I was I was really chomping at the bit to find out who was going to win out of Lockie Hendricks and Richie Taylor on this latest event. And, um, you know, not, not really the decision I wanted to see happen, but uh, that, that's another story. Um we were lucky enough to be joined in the studio by Michael Craven recently. I thought you were going to say Lucky Hendricks. I was going to say that wasn't lucky. <laughs> no, um, by Michael Craven recently. And we asked him about you. And his response was that Robbie Eagles isn't just important to their um, ambition to push into Australia, but you're actually one of the most vital cogs in that push. Um, now, you're only new to the company. What does hearing words like that from the general manager, what does that mean? It puts a lot of pressure on you, doesn't it? <laughs> um, like, like I was saying sort of at the top of this, this chat, uh, you know, whether I'm a gateway into opening up the floodgates for more Australian stars to be made in New Japan Pro Wrestling, I, I really don't mind if that's the case. I, I don't want to be someone that looks to the spotlight and goes, I can only have it, no one can share it with me. I actually want the spotlight to be as wide as possible and reach as many people that I feel have been deserving of those sort of opportunities for the longest amount of time, but, you know, 
didn't get them and here I am now, I'm getting those opportunities. So I want to share those with my comrades in Australian wrestling. Uh, he has said that quite frequently, uh, Mr. Craven. So it, there is a lot of pressure. Um, we really do want these Australian shows at the end of June to go extremely well. And I know they will, um, but it, it's, it's something bigger than that. It's really exploring Australia as a new market for wrestling as a whole. It's really showing that the Australian fans want more wrestling, whether it's live events or on a television product and easier access for them locally. So I think there's, there's a lot of things in the works that are going to come off the back of this Southern Showdown tour. And I'm, I'm happy to be the front runner for it all and, and, you know, do what I need to and promote what I need to and speak to who I need to as long as we're getting the word out there because New Japan Pro Wrestling is the best pro wrestling on the planet. Now, obviously, Michael Craven, he's uh, been integrally getting you over to New Japan. What's someone like Bad Luck Fale, his uh, movement into Australia, trying to get some more younger talent into his dojo? What's his... his, uh, What am I trying to say? What's his footprint? <laughs> well, what's well, yeah? What, what's his uh, footprint for Australian uh, pro wrestling going to be? We you know he's got the the Philippe's have just finished their long dojo tour, and now there's some other guys Caveman in the works. Caveman Ugg. What's uh, Bad Luck Fale's yeah footprint going to be on Australian wrestling? Well, he's taken the PWA champion away from PWA, so we're definitely not going to see any title matches anytime <laughs> soon, that's for sure. But uh, aside from that, he, he's like uh, like Mikey J was in 2010. is that guy for me now. He, he took a chance on me. When there was opening in the Bullet Club, the first thing he thought of was the sniper of disguise. And, you know, no pun intended there. He had seen me at tryouts and seminars that were hosted by New Japan across Melbourne and Sydney. And I think I left a lasting impression on him. So he really, you know, extended the olive branch out to me. Although there was that that invite that Will talks about to chaos and all that, blah, blah, blah. Farley was the one that made me see the light and say, hey, Bullet Club's where the money is. Bullet Club is where the fame is, and if you want to grow Australian wrestling, you need to be in Bullet Club. So I listened, and I learned, and I took that, that direction and that opportunity, and now look at where we're at. We've got Flex, we've got Gino Gambino, Moretti, Bonza, the Philippe's. There's so many people that are getting their opportunities on this Southern Showdown event in Melbourne and Sydney that normally wouldn't, but you've got someone like Bad Luck Farley that's saying, hey, you have to pay attention to these Australian guys. And he's making the people in charge of New Japan not just look at them once and then they go, oh, okay, that's a thing that they did on a weekend or a random day and they looked at for a couple of minutes or whatever. He's constantly pushing these faces and names in front of these people to say, you don't get these people come through very often. These people are unique and special. So we really do owe a lot to bad luck Fale. And I think when we look back at Australian wrestling in five to 10 years time, we're going to understand exactly how much he's done for both our country and New Zealand pro wrestling overall, because he's the man that's going, these are my homes. This is where I want to grow the scene. I want it to be as big as it is in Japan and the U S but here in the Southern hemisphere. Does it have sort of a domino effect as well, Robbie, to an extent where someone like a New Japan wrestling takes a punt on a few Aussies and it pays off and they turn into be wrestling sort of superstars? Does then someone like a WWE over in America look at that and think, well, hang on, there must be something in this and, and that opportunity then opens up there as well and, and you get that sort of domino effect where the Australians start to become the flavour of the month? Well, I, I guess so, but using the term flavour of the month, that Sorry, means and that was, and that was the wrong, be something else, no, right? And, and I, and I apologise for that. I shouldn't have. Uh, the, the Aussies become a focus the for... Hottest, the hottest Yeah, things. the hottest things around is what I meant, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, look, I, I knew what you were getting at. I just wanted to drive the point home that it's not just like the yeah. sad thing right now. We're not just like, a, oh, here's the Aussie thing, and then after this month, okay, now it's Bolivian wrestling or something random. Uh, we're going to be at the forefront of pro wrestling for years to come. Um, 
people are going to look back and go, shit, why did we take so long to really look at the Australian and New Zealand scenes? Why, why did we not discover this talent earlier? So you're right. I, I think um, it definitely will open up the doors for other places, whether it's a WWE and AEW or MLW has signed people like Adam Brooks. Um, it's going to continue to happen and it's going to be more frequent. And distance isn't going to be an issue anymore because the cream always rises to the crop. Uh, to the top, I mean. The cream of the crop or the cream rises to the top. I, I can't remember what the expression exactly is. But because we rise to the top, you know, we've got further to come from. So we're struggling from underneath and we're pushing past those barriers until we're saying, we're knocking on people's doors and we're saying, hello, here we are. And people go, oh, holy cow, here's these Australian talents that are amazing. Let's snatch them up now. So if New Japan does it first, you know, I think that's going to make a lot of other people jealous. Yes, I think you're right. Uh, you spoke earlier about Bullet Club being the best place to make money. Um, I've heard some crazy stats about how much money you might be bringing in in uh, merchandise sales with your Bullet Club shirt since you've been there. Am I right in thinking that's the best-selling Bullet Club shirt since, I don't know, the Young Bucks were in the in the company? You're reading the same statistics I am, my friend. <laughs> Congratulations on that because that means that you're connecting with the crowd. Yeah, it is phenomenal. Thank, thank you. I, I mean, a lot of it's owed to the design. So the New Japan merchandise team came up with the uh, the concept and I added a few little changes and they ran with it. And once the logo was released, it really got a lot of attention online. So, you know, a lot of it is behind that solely. But I think once people saw me compete in the best of the Super Juniors, that's when they really went, oh, you know, not only does he have a cool T-shirt, he's a great wrestler. And I'm not trying to do that to blow smoke up my own ass. I'm doing that to say hey, this is that whole Australian wrestling being overlooked thing. Now there's a lot of people paying attention to what we're doing. So, you know, it, it, it's good for me uh, financially and to, to be able to bring that back to myself and my family and to provide. That's, that's the end goal of being a professional wrestler. But for people to want to go out of their way to rep that T-shirt uh, and for me to get my second Bullet Club design within my time in the Best of the Super Juniors tournament, I didn't see that coming for a second. And I did hear a lot of ladies yelling your name out during the matches as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully that doesn't make the wife too jealous. <laughs> uh, Robbie, in regards to assessing and reassessing our goals, and we all do it as as we go through life and what we want to achieve. I'm sort of assuming that ten years ago, making it big in New Japan wrestling probably wasn't your thought. It probably would have been maybe a, a WWE. As most wrestlers would have in their sights. Has that all changed now? And if you were to end your career as a New Japan wrestling wrestler only and not go, well, I'm not going to say that one step further, but anywhere else, are you you happy you you live with that? I'm satisfied, yeah. I mean, there's still a lot of goals that I'd like to tick off. Uh, One is a very important event that happens in January for New Japan Pro Wrestling. So uh, once I can sort of, you know, put the tick across that one, then I'll be pretty much completely satisfied with my career but there's always going to be other goals and achievements that I want to make um, but whether I go anywhere else to be honest the dream for so long has been New Japan Pro Wrestling before I started training in professional wrestling I got a VHS tape from overseas of the G1 Climax and I think it was is it 2004 or 2005 and the finals were Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Hiroshi Tenzin and it was a great tournament. Shinsuke Nakamura was in it. A young Shibata was in it. There's great matches on this VHS tape that I've actually just brought back to the Pro Wrestling Academy, and I'm hoping to show some of my students right. soon. So I've been a fan of the product for a long, long time. So this actually, even if I didn't directly think it or say it, it has been mm. my goal and dream for the longest amount of time. There are other places I'd like to wrestle, um, and I think they might work because they – correlate with New Japan and one of them is Ring of Honor. Uh, That's a place that, you know, I first discovered independent wrestling through Ring of Honor and finding uh, Amazing Red versus Low Key from their second ever event. So that's somewhere that I'd like to venture off to. Now, I was part of a Ring of Honor New Japan crossover weekend at Corican Hall, but I'm not sure if that counts. A Ring of Honor War of the Worlds Robbie Eagles match would look, uh, look pretty interesting. 
Yeah, an Australian talent representing New Japan Pro Wrestling in the <laughs> USA. It's uh, not something that's said very often, is it? No, no, it definitely isn't. Uh, you speaking. You speak a lot about uh, your other great wrestling love, which is the PWA Academy and PWA. Um, and I definitely want to spend some time talking about it because the Academy had their first uh, Green Label show on Sunday, which I know you wrestled at. How proud were you as a coach? Oh, it was amazing to see. First of all, to see the guys and girls just sort of gearing up and getting ready backstage. And I kind of looked around and I was like, although these faces are familiar, it's not familiar in the environment I'm used to because here's a uh, a seven-match card and I'm used to seeing, you know, your Jack Bonzers, your Mick Moretti's, your uh, who, who else could I throw out there, your, your SMS's, um, and none of those people were around. You know, there wasn't any interstate talent like a Damien Slater or Flex that were at our last Black Label event. So it had a very different feel and it took me a second to go, oh, hold on a second, this is this is backstage. This isn't just another sparring session at the Academy. And then, you know, I, I almost had to like take a moment when the first match went out to really think this is actually happening now. We've gotten to a point where we can host events in a new building somewhere I've been to for many, many live concerts. And we're hosting wrestling, but it's green label. It's the debuts for a lot of these people in PWA. It's the talent that I know has lived and breathed in these people and these individuals for so long, now getting to light of the audiences that we normally get for black label, plus more because it's on overplay and it's being seen by people overseas and locally in other areas. I I was so happy. Um, for me to be a part of that card was something special as well. It was something that I requested. Uh, it definitely wasn't the smartest choice for my body because <laughs> I'd just gotten back a couple of days before and I wasn't feeling the greatest, as I told you guys, caught the flu. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there was a challenge laid out by the Velocity. They had to sort of, you know, if they want to be tag team champions, they've got to go through the first ever tag team champions. And one of their own, Matt Diamond, I wanted to see whether they were going to hold back or not. But those boys, honestly... Paris and Jude, as well as Matt Diamond, they're they're the greatest. Uh, I can't wait to see how much success that they have going forward because as a trio, as a unit, as a tag team, or individually, they're going to have so much success. And that goes for everyone that was on the Green Label card. In a couple of years' time, maybe even sooner, who knows, they're going to be the names that you guys are talking about. And there's uh, there's no rest for the PWA crew and the OVO crew as uh, Friday night you guys are back at the Max Watts for uh, All Eyes on Troy. Yeah, um, putting such PWA uh, shows close together is that is that just excite you more and more that uh, you know the fans are hungry for more product. Yeah, it makes me feel like I didn't leave Japan either because the schedule's so tight. So it's kind of like it's good to have that consistency for me being selfish as it is. But, yeah, it's, it, it's cool to have, you know, green label events and black label events. And I think there's going to be some other stuff coming up soon that's going to be new to us as well. Um, having them more frequently just means we're getting closer to the absolute goal and dream. And people like Mick Moretti and Jack Bonza and others that you guys may have spoken to may have mentioned this in the past, but our our goal as a a team, although sometimes we have to fight against each other, as a team in PWA, we're aiming for Australian wrestling to be as frequent as possible without oversaturating the market so that we can all do this as professional wrestlers. We don't want to have day jobs, you know. Um, Some people aren't as lucky as me to have the opportunities in New Japan Pro Wrestling yet, but they will come. Uh, But for those that still have to work nine to five and do things that, you know, they they may like or they somewhat enjoy and they kind of just do to make ends meet to fulfill their their needs as a as a human and as an adult to pay for the bills and stuff that they have to and keep a roof over their head but they'd much rather put the passion and energy that they spend on that nine to five all the way into their wrestling so you're kind of only getting like a smaller percentage of what these people are capable of and as soon as they're able to just go head first 100% in that one field that they're so passionate about you get so much more out of them so that's the goal and that's why we are going to keep doing things like green label and black label and it doesn't matter if the shows are five days apart or three days apart or if we're doing three shows in one week you know i think mcw did something like that similar and i think it heard pretty uh, it went pretty well 
I think even the crowd was tired at the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I guess I guess uh, wallets would be a little bit lighter than they used to be at the start of the month, but um, that's that's just what we got to do, right? Like, uh, not we're not expecting the fans to come to every event. We understand that as we put on more shows, it's going to be harder to get the fans that come every month or by month to come, you know, twice or three times a week. We understand that, but there's going to be other people that normally would not be able to come out on a Friday, but they can make the Sunday or vice versa. So it's it's better for wrestling in this country as a whole to put more of it on, especially at such a high quality. Robbie, young wrestlers might be listening to this podcast and, and having you listen to you and, and admiring exactly what you've done and where you've been and where you're going. Your advice to young wrestlers, and I'm sure you would have this advice to the guys that you were talking about in Sydney only a few days ago, what does it take to make it in this business? Is it wrestling craft? Is it character? Is it a 50-50 combination of both? What does it take to become a, a big name in this business? That's a very hard question to answer, like, with one sort of dot point, I guess. Um, ultimately, it's there's so many different things that can get you a job in professional wrestling and something that you can make the money that you want to make out of. Um, it depends on what people are looking for. You know, for, for years, someone like a WWE was only looking for a very specific mold of wrestler. Now that's a very different landscape with NXT, with 205 Live, with all these different brands. Uh, I think that it's very diverse what wrestling companies are looking for. My advice is look where the success is. So if you're not training with like an MCW or a PWA or EPW in Perth or Wrestle Rampage in Adelaide, like if you're not training under those dojos where people are going on to do the things that you want to do, then you really got to take a look back and go, is this the right place for me? Am I training with the right people? And it's not about them being the wrong people. It's just about your, your goals as a young aspiring wrestler. Um, so with our country being, you know, geographically so distant from everything else, a while ago, maybe 10 years ago, a lot of people used to think I have to go overseas to train with a Lance Storm or at Ohio Valley Wrestling or, or these other schools that were sort of renowned for getting people opportunities. And that's well and good. People can still take that route. I implore them to do that. But when you can, you know, drive eight or 10 hours to get from Melbourne to Sydney or from, you know, Queensland to New South Wales, or you can fly yourself and you can stay for a week or whatever it is you need to do. A lot of these places like the Pro Wrestling Academy, we have an open door policy and we just want people to be the best that they can be. Uh, we recently had a bunch of AWA Grindhouse students from Queensland stay with us for uh, around a week and they were here for our latest Black Label show. And they got a, about four or five sessions, maybe a little bit more in, in that time. And hopefully they walked away with one or two things that they didn't know about themselves and about pro wrestling beforehand that's going to help them in the long run so that when they go back to AWA wrestling uh, Queensland, uh, they're going to really show people that have seen them before that there's this new trait, there's this new skill or ability about them. And then they can say, I picked it up from from learning under the Pro Wrestling Academy. Same for people that travel to the MCW Academy. I know students of mine, uh, much like Matty Wahlberg, who just debuted for MCW, he spent time at the MCW Academy before, and he's walked away and come to me, and he's like, I really learned a lot. Like, having someone like Jay Andrews, a fountain of knowledge, taken through a session, he walked away with a different perspective on things, and that's allowed him to get to the point where he had such a hype title match against Caveman Ugg. Um, so to fill you guys in on a few things, there's someone I think you guys would be familiar with, like a Royce Chambers. Yes, um, yes. I spoke to Royce going, the other day. He's a, he's a great talent, and he's due to come train with us in uh, about a month's time. Uh, he reached out to me and asked if that was an opportunity that he could take, and I said, of course. If you're willing to travel, put yourself up somewhere, or even stay with one of the guys or girls, whoever's willing to house you, but you're here with the sole intent to train and get better at something, like whether it's one thing or a lot of things, I'm all for it, because it means that you've got the right mindset and the same passion I do, and those are the people that I like to surround myself with. So 
yeah, I just I just want people to understand that they've got to go to the right places and put in put in the right work and have the right attitude. Like if you go somewhere new, you're starting from the bottom again. It doesn't matter what you've done beforehand. Much like I had to do when I entered New Japan for the first time. It doesn't matter what I did in Australia. That was almost my first day when I started in that Super Junior Tag League. That was day one for me. I was starting all over fresh and I was a sponge, learning from anyone and everyone I could. So as long as people have that attitude and do what's willing to be done, go out and get the work, train with the right people and persevere, get through the crap because it took me over 10 years to get the one opportunity I've latched onto now. There's been some smaller ones along the way and like personal goals that I've ticked off and things that I felt really humbled by, but New Japan was that end goal for me and now I'm, I've got my foot in the door and it's wedged open and I've just run right through it. But I had to go through a lot of crap over those 10 years. I had to go through a lot of plants where I felt well and thought, you know what, there might not be much more to this. Do I stop now? Do I start something else? Do I set myself up to try and provide for my family and myself? But I stuck with it and I, I got through it and the fans, my training partners, my friends, my family, everyone's gotten me to where I am today. Uh, I wouldn't be where I am without each and every person that's you know, even had a, a brief conversation with me along the way of pro wrestling. That's a fantastic answer. Um, I We've touched a little bit on the big title match you've got in Melbourne on the Southern Showdown Tour, but I also want to talk about the Sydney show. Uh, if we told you 12 months ago that you are going to be in a main event of a New Japan show, sharing the ring with uh, Will, uh, Tanahashi, Akata, Jay White and Bad Luck Fale, you would have thought that we were bullshitting you. I would have thought that you guys created that on one of the wrestling video games, to be honest. <laughs> uh, that, that must blow your mind. Yeah, when, when I found out that that was the main event for Sydney at the UNSW Roundhouse, which is a place that I've lost many, many Dunlop volleys being in the mosh pit for, Man, it's hard to not get choked up about it. Just thinking, just thinking about it. Um, with the possibility, of, like, let's think about this, guys. The possibility that I could walk into that match with the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Title around my waist God, I as so. the first ever Australian Junior Heavyweight Champion of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Come on, how does it get any better? Fair question. I'm sure you'll. I'm sure you'll just choose a new goal and go after that and achieve that, though. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I guess I just want to... At the end of the day, I think what everyone wants to do is they want to take that Ultimo Dragon picture and just have a bajillion titles strapped around them <laughs> and be like, look how many belts I've won. This is how good I am. Well, the Super J Cup is coming back uh, later this year, so, you know, all those, all those belts might be uh, coming in handy. Um, yeah, trophies, belts, doesn't matter. They all look good on the man's feet. <laughs> That's right. Um, how much downtime are you going to take? I know you're at the academy now. Are you actually going to take a little bit of time to recuperate and everything like that, look after the body, or is it just got to get back onto the grind and get ready for this big title match coming up? Guys, from the point of this conversation we're having right now, there's 18 days till Festival Hall. There's no time to waste. It's it's straight straight at it. I probably had my longest and toughest gym session since I've been back this morning. Uh, felt a little bit sick afterwards, and I haven't done that for a long time. So, um, you know, it's just got to put your head down, do the work. Uh, I want to be the best version of Robbie Eagles that there ever has been when I step foot into Festival Hall because if this is my only opportunity at the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title, I'm going to make sure that it's worth it. I, I don't want people to walk away from Festival Hall and go, yeah, that was okay. I want people to either be going, holy crap, I'm so happy that Robbie won the title, he's the new champion, I'm so proud of that performance, etc., etc. Or in a situation that I'd prefer not to really envision, they go, Robbie didn't pick up the championship this time around, but goddamn, was that a match. Yeah, we're all looking forward to it. We're all excited and good cracker. luck for it and all that. Absolute cracker. Robbie, we thank you so much for your time today. Really do appreciate it in your uh, lead-up. As you said, only 18 days to go until the uh, the big match down here at Festival Hall. We wish you all the best in the lead-up to that and on the night, mate. And uh, we look forward to catching up with you again down the track sometime. Uh, thank you, guys. I'm, I'm currently on a strict diet, not touching any beers or Canadian clubs. So <laughs> if we win in Melbourne in Festival Hall, uh, Canadian club on me. Okay, well, we'll yeah, definitely be yeah, there. So. Cool. <laughs> 
All right. Good on you, Robbie. Thanks for your time, mate. Really do appreciate it. Thanks, lads. Appreciate it. Robbie Eagles joining us here on the Turnbuckle. On the turnbuckle, fantastic work, boys. Well done, Lyle, on getting Robbie for us. No, uh, Robbie's a friend of the show, mate. We always, you know, say g'day to him, and you know, when we're at shows together with a, you know, wrestling friend B West, getting all his shirts and stuff like that. So, no, I, I a- do go out of my way to talk to Robbie when I can. I can listen to him speak wrestling all day, and I'm so like happy and proud and warm inside seeing Robbie achieve what he's worked so long and hard for and like he really deserves it yeah even when he touched on you know a young guy like Royce Chambers reaching out to him hey what do I got to do to get better you know Royce hasn't been around a long time but Robbie's so open you know yeah get your ass up here mate you know let's Train hard and get you to the next level. I know you've been high on Royce. I've been high on him for a while. And Royce is actually on the pre-show for World Series Wrestling. So um, it's going to be good for him and Robbie to sort of meet first. And then when he gets up there, like I I really... Because I think Royce has the ability to do a lot of... A lot. Yeah. And you can hear his passion. Obviously, he's he's kicking goals... You know, outside of Australia for all wrestling fans here and, you know, the wrestling talent here. But him still to be able to give back to the younger talent, obviously the Green Label show we touched on. And, you know, a guy like Royce Chambers from Adelaide, um, from Melbourne, sorry, reaching out to him. Yeah, it's good. We spoke, we got an interview with the Philippes that we went, that will go to air next week. Um, It was meant to be this week, but uh, our chat with Farley has been delayed. Um, But... To have, as they they mention, Robbie, blokes like Robbie, um, Farley, Gino, setting the table um, for the younger guys to come through and eat. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we make no apologies, too, for the fact that our last few weeks heading up to Southern Showdown have been really New Japan Wrestling sort of shows. And the fact is it's the biggest thing to come to town since... WWE yeah. in November and the other amazing thing is is that we have so much access to these guys as we didn't with the WWE guys at the time so we thank everyone from New Japan Wrestling uh, Carlo and, and all the uh, Gino sorry I should say Carlo Gino and all those for uh, organising that for us guys let's have a look at what else is happening in the world of wrestling I'm glad I didn't get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to watch uh, Super Showdown the the did you see the Matt Classic, the main event? That was a Matt Classic. A Matt Classic. What do you mean by the that? best wrestling what? match I've ever no, seen? No, wasn't. You could all you could almost say one of them wrestled asleep. Uh, well, he was. He was knocked out totally. <laughs> I tell you what, though, um, there is such a thing as so bad that it's good, and I think it was almost in that category. It was. A, it was a good weekend for Comic Con to be on in Melbourne. <laughs> it fit in perfectly with that. <laughs> Look, well, well she is one of those guys that got up no. there. When oh, we no, say I got didn't. up, he just got home. <laughs> I didn't watch it. Live. I watched the twenty-minute highlights, and that was enough. It just looked like a very clunky it show. Was, it, look, it's a house. Show. It was a house. Show. It's a it's a it paid a show by the for the Saudi government. Um, so it is what it is. You know, if the and that'd be wrapped with it, oh, of course. Because that's uh, big of names. Course they would. And, yeah. The highlight of the whole show was. Uh, and it was one of the worst. It was the worst battle royal just about I've ever seen because there was just too many people. Fifty-one, um, and, and that was my highlight: the fact that the ring actually stayed up and, and didn't thoughts, collapse. And <laughs> thoughts and prayers for EC3 who flew the long flight to Saudi Arabia to go out into a battle royal and be thrown out in the first thirty <laughs> seconds, and they the camera didn't catch him getting eliminated. <laughs> Did he get paid for it? Uh, he would have got paid yeah, for it. Yeah, that he's happy handsomely. But, um, Choosing the Saudi guy to win, or Mansoor, I think his yeah. name was, to win that battle royal, and the huge pop from the crowd, I actually made this grizzled old soul smile at the at the result for a, mm. for a brief moment as I forgot about my crippling depression. <laughs> he doesn't smile much, does he, Tony? No, he He's right about that. Uh, Joan Rock has a new name. What do we call him now? We, we Bronson. Bronson. Bronson Reed. Bronson Reed. Yeah. Where'd that come from? 
Well, WWE Creative probably had a helping hand in it. On the list. He shared a couple of photos today on Twitter. Chopper Reed might have been an inspiration. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Look, it's not the worst name. I've seen them give some give worse names, like Kazani. Yeah. And you got that that Boogerman got his name changed to Boogie or something. Boogers. 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 Yeah. He's the Boogies. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing what they call Sexton. He did come out with something on the. He made a joke today that his name was now Barnabas Humphrey. Uh, So now that Jonah Rock has an official WWE name, it means that they're pretty serious about it. Very close close to being in the ring. Yeah, 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 to being in the ring on TV. Yeah, he's already wrestling. um, Yeah, he's already on the road with NXT. Sexton's having sing-offs. Singing Nickelback songs. Have you seen these? Uh, I haven't seen the videos on Twitter. Sexton's singing uh, in his matches. Like mm. and Jonah not happy walking away, uh, but they're tagging together. So um, let's uh, hope we see some of that on TV. Yeah, Speaking definitely. of Aussies over in the states at the moment, JXT has been there for uh, a week or so and uh, got the opportunity He's to wrestle longer than that. Oh, he hadn't, didn't come home, did he? He hasn't come home. No, yet. He has, no you're He's right. He's been there a so while. He's been there a couple of months now. He's been there a while. Uh, and I think hanging out with WrestleMania. Uh, yeah, hang, hang, hanging out go. with uh, Joey Janela's probably put extra taking years off his life. But um, got the opportunity to wrestle in ECW Arena. He did, and it was for House of Hardcore on Impact TV, and he had two matches, I think, in consecutive nights. Yep. Um, and I watched the match because it was for free. Yeah. And he's added some new moves to his repertoire. He's, he's wrestling a bit of a harder edge. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I thought it was good. I, I like the big body slam on the, you know, on, we were on wrestling the wrestling is guy. AC Romero. Yeah, he's he's not a small he's boy. A big boy. So no, the the crowd really really popped for him. So it was good. You know, and you know, the debuting dive, uh, the diving headbutt finisher is new. As yeah, well. um, never seen that before. So, no, so he's doing. He's, he's doing definitely well. got a harder edge. Uh, we've spoken to Robbie Eagles earlier on about New Japan Wrestling, but a couple of things we need to cover off on uh, the best of the Super Juniors final. Yeah, that that was that was phenomenal. Yeah, uh, yeah, great. You know, Shingo versus uh, Will Ospreay. You know, absolutely uh, amazing, absolutely nuts. You know, it was it was really really good. You know, Will Ospreay, like I've said before, you know, he's one of the best, if not the best, uh, wrestlers in the world right now. You know. And, you know, it was just from top to bottom. It was good. You know, yeah, finished off the. Yeah, you said he wouldn't win last week. I did. I didn't think he would. I actually really thought they'd go all the way. You know, with Shingo, but you know, it looks like uh, Will sticking around in the Super Juniors for a little bit longer before he goes up to heavyweight. You know, well, yeah. I think he's going to try and do both, isn't he? Yeah, he. I think he will. He, he will for a while, and uh, you know, works out good for us Australians that uh, he won the belt. And John Moxley. So John Roxley's first match outside of WWE, and it, it was commentated on. It was called by a close personal friend of mine, Gino Gambino. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and that? that's amazing. And he he was so energetic, Gino. Like he did such a good job on that. Yeah, on that he did. Call. Even though he gave you know half the roster the f- swine flu, Tony. He was the one that had a lot of energy. Um, no, it was well, good. He'd recovered by the <laughs> <laughs> Patient Zero, I think they were calling. Um, yeah, so seeing John Moxley in a New Japan ring, he's tweaked the character a little bit. What do you think of the ring gear? I, I, I like Did it. It's more it from Ronda Rousey. <laughs> he's got those shooter boots. So, yeah, it's a bit of a hard, harder edge. And, um, yeah, oh, I'm looking forward to it. You know, so, then, so putting a New Japan booking hat on mm-hmm. uh, who who is up for John Moxley in the next couple of months uh, who who are the New Japan wrestlers that he's going to find himself well, up against going into well, the yeah G1 so classic. he's going into the another tournament Tony yeah. he's starting in July the G1 that's the heavyweight yeah. tournament um, I want him in the same group as Osprey yeah that'd be nuts so he's uh, put his hand up to go into that so he's going to get all of them, Tony. No, you know, not not you yeah. know a feud per se, but he's going to he'll be wrestling all the big he's going to wrestle all the big guys in his block, and yeah, we'll see how far he goes. And you know, these aren't you know WWE house shows either. No, but no, these are, these are all main gonna, event matches. Yeah, they're main event matches. He's going to have to really bring, you know, and it's interesting, you know, when even in he went into Dominion and he he opened the show at Dominion, Tony. He was in yeah, there. He kidnapped his opponent. Yeah, you know, yeah, he. Uh, <laughs> He wrestled against uh, Shota. Is he a main eventer? Oh, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. For sure. The crowd loved him. The, well, you know, he's, look, he's so different. 
He was a main eventer in WWE. Yeah. Um, he's going to be a main eventer wherever he goes. Yeah, okay. Um, and so we talk about Dominion. Let's talk about Dominion. Uh, Will Ospreay again. That was that was my match of the night personally. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it, it, it wasn't clear cut. It had contenders, but uh, Osprey winning the title and then the man we just spoke to he, he just went straight out he goes my first opponent who I'm defending this title against is Robbie Eagles that was on the Dominion card Robbie Eagles got called out yeah. at Dominion uh, yeah, let that sink uh, in for a moment yeah it, 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 cool. it was amazing yeah he just went straight over to the commentator's desk grabbed that microphone and in Melbourne Robbie Eagles you know, well, yeah what a moment and phenomenal match you know him and Dragon Lee it's just magic in a ring you know I did actually think Dragon Lee killed him there for one second with that dive across the announcer's table took his head right off but yeah it was a, it was a good card from top to bottom obviously you got John Moxley in the open you know and Chris Jericho was in the main event very different main event than the Japanese crowd are used to um very heel orientated and he's working super heel Jericho. At the Jericho he's a piece of shit yeah, yeah. and <laughs> I love it yeah it's it's good they're, they're not often at the end of a New Japan show is the crowd booing yeah they're normally waiting around yeah. you know the the winner will grab the microphone say a, say a you know good night speech uh, per se or well, lady they didn't get the chance because he kicked the Carter's ass after losing a Carter you know kicked his ass and also, um, it looks like we're going to get Jericho versus Tanahashi. Yeah, so he's sticking off his uh, New Japan bucket list in the uh, twilight of his career. So uh, we're going to get that. Well, you know, whether it be down the road, you know, maybe it's at a, a Wrestle Kingdom that you know. You're what did you think of the NATO match? Uh, I it it was a good match. They always have great matches, him and Kota, but. Those kind of spots that where they land on their head and their neck, whether they're deliberate or planned, and these guys have a track record when they're against each other, some of these are planned. It instantly takes me out of the match because now I'm worried about a guy's well-being. The one on the not apron. the story. That one on the apron. That you know, that's a neck breaker. Yeah, that that's you know, I know these guys are in great physical condition and you know they can do things that a normal man can't. But just risking that when you've got a guy. Like Hiromu still nursing a knee, uh, a, a broken neck. a broken neck. I just I think that's so irresponsible. Irresponsible. Yeah, that's that's you know. So yeah, that it was a phenomenal match. If you quickly take that out of it, phenomenal. That was a br- brilliant but match. That that bump right there on the neck it just takes me out of the match. Now, unfortunately, I wasn't allowed to see MCW tensions rising, and uh, once again, I blame Lockie Hendricks for that. Uh, what do you guys think of it? It was enjoyable. Yeah, it was good. It wasn't, you know, like the normal big, you know, all, a lot of the main event guys weren't there. So it was a lot of the younger guys were hungry to steal a bit of that spotlight while the other guys were away. And I think a few of them did, you know. You had a Matty, Matty Wahlberg there for the first time, which was great. I loved Lockie's match against uh, Richie Taylor. I thought that was probably my favourite Richie Taylor match and he's had so yep. far and um, I love DC, the DCT spot at the end yeah that, that was really clever yeah we were all wondering where is DCT where is the yeah and they did a really clever run in Tony where it looked like a fan may have gotten involved you know, and lucky Gino well wasn't around it was well played by all of the um, academy guys around the ring who acting in security they they played their role really well yeah so, sold it really good it took Excellent. me a while to realise it wasn't uh, wasn't a fan oh, I wish I could and have the Philippe's it. It nice. the Philippe's won the title yeah they won the title there you go and uh, we as, as you mentioned Walsh, we did interview them before the match so they we'll have that for you next week the they did they, they did, did exactly see, so. see what happens you come on the podcast Tony only good things can happen that's all it's about and I just want to Jet Jet had an amazing dive off the um, off the entrance way that Wow, it was a thing of beauty. Yeah, it was basically from the from the stage entranceway straight over the yeah over the ring ropes into the middle oh, of middle of, yeah, yeah mi- middle of the ring with a um, European uppercut. Yeah, oh, amazing. That's going to be the best part of ten meters, ten to twelve. It was, meters. A, it was yeah, a fair yeah. jump. Um, yeah. What did you think of half the half of the um, roster changing their name? Yeah, that was interesting. During the show, announcing yeah. <laughs> new names. So we had uh, Campbell Crawford is now called Atlas Whitaker, mm-hmm. and TD has he, changed his name Sean to Sean Young. Young. Yeah, and the reasons being, well, they're they're sick of, um, they're sick of MCW management. They're going to 
Fordham try and lead the charge in a new new way. Yeah, well, if I was there, I would have done it, but I wasn't yeah, there. Too to busy be. yelling at Lockie. Congratulations to Kaz Jordan on getting the win. Yes. PWA Black Label returns in Sydney this weekend. Yes, as we touched on with Robbie Eagles, yes. a big Black Label show. All eyes on Troy as Shazam McKenzie defends the women's title. That's her first and I think maybe even one of one of one or one of two matches in Australia before she heads back overseas um, against Jessica Troy, who we saw debut at MCW last week, and she was a fantastic babyface. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that's going to be a that'll be a blowaway match. Obviously, Shazza was killing it over in America, and yeah, we we seen Jessica Troy for the first time with our own eyes. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's Friday night OVO. I'll be. Um, checking it out on the app yeah. you know, a lot of pressure it. a lot of pressure on Jessica Troy with the show being named after her yeah I know Shaz is not happy the champion she thinks should have the show named after mm, the champion enough. not the challenger all eyes on Shaz and I know that last time they named a show after the challenger the challenger lost ooh okay. so um, you can't read into it too much but uh, yeah catch it like if you're in Sydney get to Max Watts if you're not in Sydney Get it on Ovo. It's uh, something like six bucks. Yeah, Nothing. you can't go wrong. Really? Michael uh, Spencer versus Robbie Eagles. Two less Tim well. Sims when you get your fish and chips. That yep. orders that uh, starts, I should say, our upcoming shows. IWA also have Wild West at the Lithgow Workies. On Saturday nights, uh, PCW Ignition is at Ferntree Gully. IWA Wild West at Dubbo RSL. EPW host Charity Bash in Bunbury featuring Davis Storm, our boy. We love uh, Davis Suplex Storm. Pro Wrestling presents Eyes on the Road at the Goulburn Workers Club. Wrestle Rampage live at the Dojo in Adelaide featuring their young up-and-comers and AWA in Brisbane present Resonado. WrestleNado. WrestleNado it is. Like Shark like Sharknado. Okay. APW in Frankston have last exit. If you've got an idea for a podcast, contact us here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the turnbuckle. We'll put you through the right people and uh, get you on air. We want as many good podcasts as we can on air and it's affordable too. Yes, it is. Otherwise, we mm. wouldn't be here. Let's face it. Yeah, exactly. that's true. Uh, next week, guys, massive show. Well, we the promised fleet. it last week. Well, we did promise it last we, we week. We double promised it this week. Well, I think 110%, you're saying. 110, 110%. Oh, I think, you know, our, we'll call him a makeup guest. Oh, know, Robbie Eagles, yeah. Look, we've got you, Robbie Eagles on. Yeah. Oh, I think that we've more than made it up to Yeah, I, I don't think people will complain about that, will they, so, No, not at all. So next week, uh, what are we going to call it? The Dojo episode. It's the Farley Dojo episode. Yeah, Bad yep. Luck Farley and the Philippe Brothers on next week. Really look forward to bringing that to you, folks. Thank you for joining us, Welshie. Lyle, thank you. You're welcome, Tony. And we'll yeah. catch you all next week right here on mypodcasthouse.com for another episode of On the Turnbuckle.